Hello and happy new year to everybody listening to Zero to Something. I'm Richard Howard, host of the podcast. As it's a new year, I wanted to have somebody on to talk about probably the number one most uh, used New Year's resolution, which is this is the year that I'm going to get fit. So I was really happy to talk to Jocelyn Thompson-Rule. She's just written a new book called How to Move It. And it is really a fantastic guide, kind of about getting started with fitness. It's all about getting your head in the game, getting your head right before you start on your fitness journey. We talk about the four cores of fitness, such as strength, mobility, and energy systems. And we also talk about how not to quit when you started on your fitness journey. Before that, we talk a little bit about what led Jocelyn to get into fitness and her personal journey, which is pretty inspirational. I found her an incredible person to chat to. I hope you really enjoy the episode. If you do, please subscribe. Please rate and review on iTunes. Feel free to follow me on Twitter. My handle is at underscore R Howard. And Jocelyn's is at Jocelyn Thompson R. On to the episode. podcast is called Zero to Something, and it's all about the people who create something from nothing and that drive to create, that drive to do something that is not really conforming to, I guess, expectations from parents, expectations from peers, something that's a little bit different. And I found when when talking to people that there's something in them, whether it's genetic, whether it's learned, whatever, and they can't quite grasp it, they can't quite explain it, but it is kind of driving them forward and it makes them a more determined person. And reading your book, How to Move It, <laughs> the thing that struck me when I was thinking about that in relation to your story was about your accident when you were nine. And I'd love if you could go into a little bit of details and then Seven, you talk yeah. about how determined you were to to recover from that. Yeah, sure. So I think that it's and I, I don't I don't know at what point I realized that it was such a benefit in a way for that accident to have happened. But it made me realize that I was so, yeah, like. I had this, you know, wolf fell on my foot. I got my big toe amputated. I was in hospital for two months. I had nine operations. And at the time I was Irish dancing and had already, I, I started that. So I was seven when the accident happened. I had been dancing since I was four. I had some uh, trophies under my belt. So it was just this thing I loved. And so when the surgeon said to me, oh, well, we've had to amputate your big toe and you're not going to be able to dance anymore. It just didn't even register that that was a thing. I was yeah. in my head. I was like, well, I want to. So I'm going to. And, you know, one of the things I said in the book was, I, you know, I don't know whether I was just at that point, you know, in your seven and the world is magical and anything is possible. Yeah. So I was like, well, no, I'm going to do it. And and I didn't really think about the how. It was just, well, this, this is happening, so it is. And I think it was only when I, and I never really thought, I never thought anything of it at the time, but it was obviously then later on in life, I thought, gosh, I had this surgeon tell me that I wasn't going to be able to do this thing. And I did this thing. I just didn't listen. And it made me think how many times people are told things by experts of sorts obviously he was an expert he's a surgeon but <laughs> yeah you're just told something by someone else whether it's whether it's you know like a surgeon or your parent or whoever and sometimes when they say that you believe that and yeah. then that's the end of it and so what that has done is it's just always made me question if I have a doubt you know well is it definitely you know or shall I just check before I you know completely 
move on from it. And is that something you, is that kind of like drive, that determination? Is that something you recognized you had in yourself before the accident? Is it something you're, I think you said you have a brother and your parents had, or is this something that is, is almost unique to you amongst your family and your peer group that you've kind of found out? I feel like it's, I feel like it, it might be a thing that's kind of unique to me in the sense that my brother is in music and he's very successful in music and he's self-taught. And I think from, you know, from my parents' point of view, you know, my mom always was just, like well why not she would she wouldn't she would let us investigate for ourselves and so we did there was never really you know neither of my parents ever said no that's too difficult you won't be able to do that and I think we surprised them by doing some of the things but there was never a point at which they said no no that's too hard and I and I heard it from lots of other people at other times other well-meaning family members other my a teacher my English A-level teacher because I repeated my A-levels I remember her saying to me and this only came to me the other day that she had decided I was going to repeat them oh you do know that you'll probably probably get the same grade don't you and I remember just thinking jeez what a thing to say you know and yeah. I sort of want to wave the book in her face and be like, that's just me being bitter. But there's like there's there's there is a cathartic quality sometimes to being like, <laughs> you doubted me and you were yeah. wrong and you suck. <laughs> and maybe you should stop because if you, if she doubted you, imagine all the other kids that she has doubted through her career as a teacher. Like, you know, maybe you should think again and be, you know, just because your life sucks doesn't mean that you've put it so well. You know, like what if I had have listened, you know, and gone and 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 still gone ahead and done my air levels, but at the back of my mind have gone, yeah, but I'm just going to get the same grade. I'm just going to get, you know, then that goes into that self-talk piece, which then could become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah. it's really, I, I think it's really dangerous the way people can, you know, instill their own views or, you know, on their own limitations onto other people so it's really dangerous no absolutely the thing that i liked about the book was you know you talk about your story so that will go the book is called how to move it it's like it's a it's a beautifully small easy to read book and it's kind of a little bit biographical on, on your story but it's also i guess how to get going in, in terms of fitness correct me if i'm wrong but it feels a little bit more like a beginner's guide for the brand new year i won't say we all but but the the person on this side of the microphone put on a significant amount of weight during coronavirus and you know it's a new year and, and people are, are thinking about that so it feels like a, a good place to start right it gives you a couple of easy exercises to get going talks about kind of getting your mindset right and all that stuff yeah and, and kind of just on the the, the biographical side mm-hmm. so we've, we've talked about the accident and, and continue to dance and your determination there and then you went to university and i guess you uh, you mentioned that you you come from a more working class family than the, pe- the other people who had been at university and the thing that kind of took you from feeling like an outsider to feeling like an insider was rowing yeah. And I'd love you to talk a little bit, you know, kind mm-hmm. of that, that mindset mm-hmm. of insider. Sure. Yeah. I think so. When I, when I, you know, took the decision that I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to Trinity College in Dublin. I wanted to study economics and philosophy. And it was all really exciting. And I, you know, again, had been told by several people, well meaning family and friends, it's very hard to get into. Are you sure? How are you going to manage? Da, 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 da. Uh, and I, you know, said thank you and took the <laughs> nodded. And in my head, I was like, mm. so that was really exciting. But the reality was when I got there, was that I was surrounded by other students who had been privately educated, who had a real, you know, money wasn't a worry. And and I remember actually a girl, I remember it so clearly, 
actually, gosh, it's made me feel a little bit emotional thinking about it. But, you know, because you, you sort of try and find these connections with, with people who are like you. And I thought that this girl maybe came from, you know, not much money. And, and so I sort of opened up to her a little bit. And she said, oh, what is it so tough for you that you're scrambling for pennies under the couch? And there was a point when we had left my dad, when we were homeless, waiting to be waiting to be given temporary accommodation where money was really tough. And there were times when that was the reality, really just searching for any extra penny. And she laughed. And I think that was when it hit me that, oh, okay, this this is so far from her reality that it's a, it's a joke, you know. And so that was when I kind of realized I'm very different to everybody here. And and I'm sure not not everyone, but the, the, the people that I was directly in contact with. And I think it was then that, so I felt very different. And then when I started rowing, you know, I started to feel stronger. I felt, you know, more confident in, in you know, who I was because, you know, where I had had come from in London, I, I felt great surrounded by my friends and, you know, all of that. But I started to feel this real difference in Dublin. And it just it just gave me a confidence that I owned and nobody could take away. So it didn't matter that I didn't have money. It didn't matter that I wasn't privately educated. I was able to do something. I had this physical strength and this physical fitness that others admired that I owned. So it was this sense yeah. of ownership over something great that I possessed that others admired and that was that was the kind of turning point for me in in how it was okay that I was different I had qualities that some of these other people who I felt had so much more than me didn't have and so that was that was huge for me at that time and is that what kind of pulled you into the fitness industry as a career yeah, it was so so I I rode for four years at, at university and it was in my third year that I became vice captain of the ladies boat club. It's so ridiculously thank God Facebook and all of those things were not around when I was at university, <laughs> you know, and you're like, Phew. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so I was vice captain and what that meant was that I got to assist the head coach with the novice team. And that was my first kind of introduction into taking somebody on a fitness journey, basically. And I loved that. And I loved that process. So I didn't decide there and then that I wanted to work in fitness. But it was it was a year after I finished university, I, I spent a year in Japan teaching English and just kind of really by process of elimination, it was, well, I love fitness. And I loved I loved, you know, you know, coaching. So it felt like it was a natural next step for me. So that's, that's then what I did. And I haven't looked back since. No, that is, that is awesome. So I I struggled with my weight for like my entire life. I don't know if you did this in school, but I remember when I was in school, they did like, like fitness and like fat tests. So this was primary school and they used to have like the calipers and measure it. And me and and this other boy, uh, Adam Johnson, I'll I'll call him out now. We haven't spoken to the primary school, but, and we were the two, like we were the two heavier ones in the class. And I like, I vividly recall us like doing press ups before, like literally seconds before this thing, because, but it's because look, I have, like a, a very slow metabolism and i will look at just it has to be a bread roll it doesn't have to be like a caker and i'll look at that and just, like the pounds will come on to me but i also i'm very aware of it because my dad was i mean you know he passed away four years ago he was like morbidly obese my entire life and he was very unhealthy and had a lot of like health complications and so mm-hmm. i'm aware of what he did but i'm so i would say like i'm overweight but i'm actually quite fit if you could put a put my trainers on I can go for like a 10k jog no problem 
and I played rugby through school, you know, yeah. four times a week at a, you know, decently high level, but always like, it's been like a weight thing rather than a fitness thing for me. And I remember when I was younger, um, sure. my mom, my mom was into fitness. So she did like aerobic classes and step classes and the things that were very, very popular back in the day. And I went to a personal trainer for the first time. I think it was like 15. And I thought I was quite fit because I did rugby four times a week. And, you know, like we were, you know, a lot of running, a lot of that stuff. And I remember my first session with her it was like 45 minutes or an hour or whatever. And I've never felt sicker in my life. Than, than after that session, I, I I saw everything in orange. So like I have this, and she was amazing. I you know went to her for years, like all the time that I was in Glasgow. But you know I think there's a, you know a little bit of like sadism that lives inside every personal trainer mm -hmm. that takes you know a cocky fifteen or sixteen year old that thinks he's quite <laughs> fit and is like I'll show you what fitness really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is is that every trainer can absolutely beast someone if they want to. Now <laughs> what I moan on about all the time is that that's not necessarily necessary. And it's, it's the whole, and I, th I think this is as much for, you know, people who exercise, for coaches and people who exercise, is that this idea of, you know, dying or being beasted isn't, isn't what everyone needs. And so I think from a, from a coach's perspective, sometimes they think they're shortchanging their client or clients or a group or whoever they're training if they don't leave dripping in sweat, yeah. you know, all the rest of it. And similarly for individuals who are like, right, that's it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and get fit. I expect to be feeling horrific by the end of the session. Like there's this whole other world, you know, in fitness that isn't a part of that. And yes, there isn't, of course there are elements of that. Of course there are. And, you know, I enjoy that feeling of being exhausted of, wow, I really worked because there, there is, there's not only a physical you know, transformation within that in the moment of going from, you know, warming up to, to finishing that, but just the whole mental side of it of, you know, the self-talk, the, all of the bits that, that get you there, all of that is this, is this huge, you know, development of self, but there's also all of the mundane, not so exciting, definitely not Instagrammable stuff. That is yeah. all a huge part of that process as well. And I think that was, really what I wanted to get across in the book you know for for those who either hated PE or I mean horror I'm still horrified that actually there were calipers in you oh. I mean I'm like but you know for for people who've had these experiences you know either in PE or whatever or the first time they stepped into a gym they're like holy hell what is this to go actually look these are what I think are the really important things Let's yeah. start there and let's rebuild, you know, your, the relationship that you have with your body and the relationship that you have with fitness and movement, because it's a really important one and it's a really rewarding one. Yeah. But it has to start with where you are right now. And it's an internal, you know, conversation and process rather than look what this person is doing. Should I be doing that? And it's I, I was speaking to somebody the other day and saying there, there's you will not find anywhere you know, on the internet, me saying, this is, this is how I eat. This is how I train. This is how I do whatever, because that's what works for me. Yeah. It's not necessarily what works for anybody else. And so my hope is in the book that people, will, and it is very, it's very much for, you know, people who are at the beginning of their journey, but it's also for people who, you know, have been training for 
a long time and have perhaps missed out on those basics. Yeah. So I'm also a, a, another thing I bore on about is the basics and how they're so important that they're absolutely not basic. There's so much within them for us to take forward. And that's how we build a foundation. And that's how we, you know, have a sustainable you know, relationship with movement. No, for sure. And I think I think it's probably never been more important than now because, you know, that we're all at home because of this pandemic. If you are overweight or unfit or, you know, have like lower lung capacity because of that, you are a higher chance of dying if you get coronavirus. Like that is just, that's the science. And and I think yeah. that being yeah. fit, and I, I think you're right. I think, you know, you talk in the book about, you know, for the gram and for the Instagram. And, and I think there's this vision of like perfection. Well, if I'm not going to be like that, then is there any point? And absolutely, yes, there is a point because you want to feel good. And, mm. you know, I feel in mm. myself, my, you know, like I mentioned, my, my weight's yo-yo. So like when I was, I was, I was at my lightest weight, I had like 17% body fat when I was just before my second kid, which was pretty good for me. I was very happy with that. And then I sympathy ate with my wife when she was pregnant with our second kid and had a job and traveled and, and never lost it. So yeah. I, I know that like there are times when I can, you know, I can lose a stone or two stone and then put it back on. And I know when I put it back on and like, it feels like harder to just, you know, tie my shoelaces and bend and get stuff and play with my kids and yeah. forget looking good for for instagram because it's nonsense do the stuff in your like daily life that, that just is mm. easier and feels better mm. but yeah going through through the stuff that you talk about why does it matter so much to get your head in the game before kind of taking like getting started on the fitness path yeah because so i love the book the war of art by stephen pressfield and he he talks about it from the point of view of, of being a writer but he just talks about this thing called resistance and it's pretty much the voice in your head that usually gets that is there all the time we are never going to be rid of this thing called resistance but you know usually gets louder the closer you are to any success and it's you know the when you listen to that voice when you listen to that voice and you the thing that will stop you way before you physically have to be stopped so it might even be, you know, something as simple as stepping outside the door to go to the gym. And then you're like, oh, it's cold outside. Will we just stay here? Yeah. As simple as that. And that's the thing that stops you. Or it might be, you know, when you're there at the gym, let's say you're walking or you're jogging on the treadmill and you're 10 minutes into a 15 minute walk or jog. And then that voice is like, if I stop now, then I can just, you know, get showered early and then go home. And, and then it's just like, no, you have to shut it down. So it's it's an it's an awareness that it's always there because yeah. it is. And it's how about you get to know what that voice is and you learn how to overcome what it's telling you in the moment so that you know then for the next time, actually, do you know what? I, I was thinking that the last time, but I kept on going and actually I felt better for overcoming it. And so it's the you know, often we think about mindset as being something that's kept for the elite. And it's absolutely the thing that will be the difference between first and second place, you know, with with elite athletes, it's whose head is in the game more, or who can get their head back in the game after some kind of, you know, unexpected, whatever. But that's also for the everyday person, you know, and it it's as important, like once you once you, you'll, you'll never gain full control over your mindset, Again, because the, resist, the, the voice of resistance is always going to be there. But it's how much do you give into it? How much do you listen to it? What are your practices to overcome it? And that, that, that relationship 
And that work can be way more exhausting than the physical. So I, I talk about uh, in the book working with Katie Page, who is a performance psych- mental performance psychologist. And when I was um, competing maybe about five or six years ago, I worked with her for a number of months because I was, I was aware of this negative voice in my head. And I remember being on a call with her and saying, Katie, I am exhausted from just trying to get in control of this thing called my mind and she was like I know it is exhausting (laughs) because it's non-stop whereas actually you know working out you can leave that for you know an hour a day or whatever you know Uh, but this thing is constant and it is exhausting but it's incredibly rewarding to be able to overcome levels of it. On the mindset topic do you have any practices like meditation or anything in particular that you do to get your your mind right and that you recommend to your clients as well? Yeah, um, I mean, one of the one of the big things that I love is the process of of reviewing things. So, what it is, it, you know, I, I think you know, with some with something negative, you know, we can let that eat eat us up basically if we if we you know you, you kind of go into this spiral so after whether it's your training session or your day or an interview or you know an exam after you do it you answer the following four questions and this is something that Casey Page taught me so the first one is what went well so you again let's let's say let's say you have an interview and it was an absolute disaster and you're like why why did that even happen so the first thing is you know asking what went well so what did go well actually you you got the interview in the first place so that's a good thing surely whatever you had in your cv was good enough to get that interview the second piece is and what would i do differently and that's the that's the most important piece to actually go right what was it that I could change there instead of just kind of, you know, completely, you know, passing it off as just something terrible. So what, what would I do differently? Then how does this give me confidence? And then the final question is, how does this make me feel better prepared? And if you, every time you do that, no matter how bad a situation is, you will always pull something positive from it. You will always pull, what would I change should this happen again? What am I going to do better next time? And so you have this little map to guide you forward so you don't get stuck in the negativity of what's happened in the in the past so I think the four question review is a is a really good one what I tend to do now is I'll almost shortcut it and just um, do the first two so so what went well like finding that positive piece and just the bit that I would the bit that I would change the next time because it it's always in there and, and you know you all know this it's always in the lessons if we can take a learning from them yeah. that's how we move forward it's never in this idea of you know everything being perfect like that it just doesn't exist and actually if, if a whole day goes perfectly if your whole week goes perfectly then then that that's the one that puts, makes me put a question mark over it as opposed <laughs> to which bit did I did I learn from and I talk so much about reviewing and learning and taking the lessons it doesn't mean that I love you know learning these hard lessons like they feel rubbish at the time yeah. you're just like <laughs> oh god that was so but then you 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 know you try and you take the emotion out of it and you go right okay well what what would I change what would I do differently and it's I guess it's how many times you're willing to do that like be uncomfortable in those moments and take learning from those and go okay cool deep breath that sucked but 
here we are I've learned something and take it forward so that that's a big one for me and then the next one is just really being honest with whatever that fear is like asking is it true so I I run something called the women in fitness summit every year and it's a it's a two-day event one day for fitness professionals the other for fitness enthusiasts and on one of the days I was delivering I think it was to to fitness professionals and I got them all to write down what their biggest fear was about being a coach or their work or you know their work with their clients and so I wrote it down on a piece of paper and then my next question was is it true and I was like there's no gray areas if it's a if there's any doubt it's a it's a no and then my next piece was you know if it's not true I want you to rip up that piece of paper and about 90% of the room ripped up the piece of paper. So again, it's it's how much emotion we layer onto these fears that we have and, you know, the truth that's in them, you know, or not. And, and inevitably we're worrying about something that's just not true. So yeah. uh, those would be the two the two big things. Yeah, I, th- I think that kind of goes to the, the voice of resistance, right? Like you worry about the things that might happen possibly if everything goes wrong, but there are, inevitably never as bad even if it does go wrong right even if the thing that you think happens it's never as bad as you had foreseen and there's always like a a way out and then kind of you you talk about the four the four big areas to concentrate on mobility strength energy system and recovery and being a being a man as i am it feels like that we as as men and i wonder if this is uh, true kind of across the fitness world focus very much on strength definitely probably focus on, on energy systems oh we love we love a protein bar but are, are less focused on mobility and recovery and i wonder like yeah. is that just me is that me stereotyping everybody in the fitness world or, or is that things you've seen as well and and if so you know why is it important to focus on all four yeah sure so i mean you know everyone's a little different so so for you you know specifically you said you you would you would focus on you know the strength piece on the energy systems piece like that cardiovascular fitness and you know then other people might focus on more of the mobility side or whatever so I think different people kind of focus on 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 different things and that's cool but they all complement one another so if you think of the mobility piece that gives you access to your strength so let's say if you are if you have less mobility in your hips well then that's going to limit you in your squats for example so if you can increase your range of movement in your hips and you can increase the range of movement in your squat and so therefore you're accessing more of your strength and so therefore you're able to be stronger as a result let's say you've got the mobility piece in you've got increased access to your strength you're training well you train let's say four or five times a week but you are not getting enough sleep which is part of the recovery piece then you are shortchanging your training sessions because it is in the recovery period and and in recovery I include obviously sleep within that you know eating well to support your training hydration you know keeping your stress stress levels at bay as much as you can so if you are doing all of those things and you're getting more benefit out of the training that you are doing but what I will say is and you know we've discussed you've got three children I've got two children there are times in your life where something like sleep is an absolute luxury and so within the recovery piece is also just keeping your stress levels at bay whether it is through meditation whether it's through going for a walk whether it's through journaling whatever it is you also have to be within that realistic around what you can do with the resources that you have right now 
now. So yeah. when I were, you know, when Max, my youngest, was still getting up in the night, feeding, all that kind of stuff, I could have stressed about the fact that I wasn't getting enough sleep. And so therefore wasn't recovering properly and increasing my stress or just going, okay, the sleep isn't high on the <laughs> list right now, not by my own choice. That's cool. What can I do? Because I think that, you know, also my point within all of this is not to overwhelm people with, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, you should be doing this. It's what can you do with the resources that you have right now? Do that thing. Because that's the that's the only choice that you have. So either pining for more sleep when you can't have it, or wish you know right now we can't we're not able to be inside gyms physically. Okay, so what what can you do instead? So it's always about utilizing the resources that you have right in front of you. And then so you know this being the kind of coronavirus era, pandemic era, whatever you want to call it. What what is your personal view on kind of the home gym movement from Peloton onwards? Yeah, I mean, I used to be a real snob and I used to be yeah, a gym snob, should I say, sorry, around, well, I must be in the gym and I must have my barbells and my kettlebells and my all of my needs. And and the world has changed, you know, it really, really has. And so I actually think it's great. And I think that the quality um, of products that there are out there providing fitness for people in their home is fantastic. And we, you know, we ourselves now have, you know, like equipment down in our in our car park in the basement of our building. And the, two, three years ago, the idea of having to work out, you know, near home and in the car park downstairs just would have been like, no, get me to a gym. And now I, I'll come back up and I'll, I'll, and I'll say to BJ, my husband, I'll be like, oh, the dream, like five. <laughs> so I think it's great and it gives people more access to movement without having to go anywhere. It is safe right now because it is not, you know, like you're in your home, yeah. safely being able to not be outside, whatever. But so I think it's great. And I think that the quality of all of those products that are, you know, that are out there, that they're really improving and I think it I think it's great I think it's fantastic no that's awesome I my, my wife is desperate for a peloton because she, <laughs> yeah. she, oh, she she was like when we were when we were younger pre-children we were both gym rats she would spend like three hours in the gym on a Saturday morning and it was all spinning classes and then she even got her certification yeah. to become a spin instructor and, yeah and she she loves it and I was like great but a we don't have anywhere to put a peloton uh, and b we have a lot less time than we used to have and i don't feel great about spending like two or three thousand pounds whatever it happens to be for for the actual equipment but the one the one thing that i want to do so i again kind of going back to that mobility thing of the four big areas i am mm. unbelievably immobile so i've i've put my back out a couple of times in my life and every time i go to the physio and they fix up for me because they're amazing and they're like you know your yeah. like hamstrings are basically just wooden planks they have no given them yeah. and, and that like that's what puts my back out so like the last time I went and it was really really bad and I got the sciatic pain and all that stuff and so she's like right you need to do she's like if you were really immobile but had a lot of strength in your core I would tell you to just I'd tell you to do yoga but if you were really mobile but didn't it needed the strength then I'd tell you to do pilates she's like just, just do one of them just do something <laughs> so I was all ready to go and do yoga this year and I even have like a, a place to go it's like a, a two-on-one with my sister uh, with a yoga instructor yeah. but obviously that's kind of shut down now that the UK is in lockdown for the foreseeable future and so you obviously there's great yoga instructors doing stuff on youtube right but i am a complete mm -hmm. beginner and obviously inflexible and terrible so the thing that i would worry about is that i would like they would say oh do this and they'd show you the thing and i'd think i was doing that but be doing it horribly wrong so yeah. i you know i don't know if the right thing is just to wait until 
I can be, you know, in class with a instructor that can tell me what I'm doing wrong or to just kind of get going with the people on YouTube. And even if it's a little bit wrong, you know, doing something is probably okay. So, so here, I'm going to say maybe something potentially controversial here, but okay. you could find yourself in a class with somebody and maybe that instructor may get you to do something that is potentially harmful. True. So what I would say is, uh, you know, start with a, a very almost start with something that's too easy that feels like okay. it's too easy for you to do it's literally not a too easy there is there is the step <laughs> guide that is like oh this is too easy for you like can you bend and touch your knees on some days i guess so yeah super basic <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking the, the thing would be would be just to just to start and see how it feels yeah. and part of it also is you know what would you do in a situation let's say if you were with an instructor and they're putting you into a position that doesn't feel good for you and then yeah. it's trying to work out is this doing me damage or is this just I'm a little bit uncomfortable because this is a new range for me yeah. and so part of it then comes back to what do I trust in myself and the more you do that stuff, the more you get to learn, you know, yourself, this, this feels like it's doing me good. This yeah. feels like it's a little bit of an, of a, you know, an alarm bell for me. And so it okay. always has to come back to starting with, you know, yourself really. And, and, and what, what you're telling yourself, what your body is telling you rather than somebody else doing, doing it for you. Yeah. I think my body would tell me you need to be more <laughs> mobile, but even any movement, can you stand up for it? Yeah. All right, great. We'll start there. But like, like, every time, every time I've ever gone to the physio, either like, let's just check your range of, of, of motion there. Every, every, every single one of them is like, Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Is that a good wow? No, never. It's never a good wow. But like, yeah, they're like, your, your legs should be like, when you're lying flat on your back, your legs should be able to get to 90, 90, uh, 90 degrees. And you're at like, 45 50 i'm like well you know but yeah no no that's really bad it's like okay, okay. lots of room for improvement <laughs> absolutely you know i feel great when i when i get it right so because like, you you're a nike master trainer right this is what i want nike to come up with and, and I, I love how this podcast has turned into like a how can we help richard become uh, etc but there's every app and device on the planet for measuring everything right like if i step like yeah. a pedometer fitness strength everything but there's not like a device that measures my range of mobility like if i do stretches for a month and like i can't tell if my hamstrings are slightly more flexible than they were before you know what i mean like i want something that goes yeah you were at four and now you're at four and a half well you could what you could do within that is take pictures of your range of movement would yeah. be would be a good a good kind of thing to assess or just go with your feeling you know what? It feels <laughs> yeah. a little bit more comfortable than it did last month. And that yeah. is good for me. Perfect. All right. There is a couple of okay, back to the book. There is a couple of quotes that I that I that I really loved. One one of which you've mentioned, which was kind of don't judge the effectiveness of a workout by how much you sweat. And the other one was like, nobody is coming to save you. Right. It, this is this is also <laughs> gonna be a personal journey. As much as I've tried to make you save me in this interview, you know, and it reminded me of something my like my dad said to me, not not with regards to fitness, but when I was, you know, a young kind of just started a job and I didn't like the job and like I left the job. Um I was like, Oh, so you know, something will happen. And my dad was like, you know, Richard, nobody is out there being like, Oh, we can't wait to hire Richard Howard. You know, you need to go yeah. and, and work for it. And and you know, like I read that yeah. as like, you know, it's it's a personal thing. You need to kind of motivate and, and push yourself to do the things that you want to do to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, I you know, in reality, you know, for me, sometimes I'm still like, 
is someone just going to come and sweep me <laughs> up and make everything okay? And then I'm like, hello, no, no, no. And I guess that's, yeah. a, that's that whole thing around, you know, build your own table or, you know, you know, one of the, the mentorship that I have is, you know, be the change, you know, for yeah. female coaches. And it's about being the change that you want to see in the fitness industry. And so for me, there are certain things that I wanted changed. And I was just like, well, no one's going to do it for you, you need to, to do that. And I think it, it's, everyone's allowed, you know, a moment or lots of moments of, oh, this sucks. I wish it was easier. But then yeah. you've kind of got to go, okay, right. What's, what's my next move? What's my next step? Because yeah, life can be unfair and life can suck, but y- you've only got you really. <laughs> you might as well utilize that time you have with yourself. No, absolutely. Okay, a couple more questions. I've only got you for like another 10 minutes. Got a couple more questions yeah. before we dive into like the little little speed round. So, you know, you've worked with lots of people from, I guess, like high, very high level athletes down to kind of, you know, the average uh, Joe and, and kind of a gym who you're, who you're helping train up. What is the difference yeah. between you know, like the, the real, we're talking kind of like elite athletes here. Is it just mindset? You know, every, like these guys have obviously been given like a, a God-given talent. In terms of the ones who are really incredibly successful versus the ones who can't quite hit that, they've got the talent, but there's something stopping them. Is it is it all mindset? Is it something mental rather than physical for those ones? It's, it's you know, it's a combination of both. So uh, a friend of mine, Jamie Reynolds, he's got a company called Talent Ain't Enough. And it's, you know, we all know people who were naturally talented at something and perhaps that, you know, gave into a level of complacency. And so they didn't put the work in. And so they just never really made it in, you know, whatever form, you know, that is. And then there are other people with less talent who just, you know, focused, 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 worked, I won't say worked incredibly hard necessarily, because you have a lot of people that that work very hard and still may not make whatever it is, but, yeah. but would, you know, work really smart in whatever they're doing and do really well. So you, you always have those surprise cases, the ones who you thought would go really, really far and then just didn't. And the ones who are like, wait, what? They're doing what now? Oh my God, I never thought they were going to do whatever, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's a combination of both. I think it's, I think it's the mindset piece because still the, the you know, the elite level athletes, they still have doubts yeah. every day. And so it's a combination of, 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 you know, that smart work and that, that mindset piece as well. Like I always think, I, I think there are like three types of work that we have to do. I think there's the, the inner work, which is that mindset, that mindset piece. And I think there's the outer work, like the actual physical doing. And I think there's the rework and that's the, the review of the, of the doing part. And sometimes it's the re- review of the mental part. So it might well be, well, why did that not work out? Well, do you know, I just, I just wasn't, I didn't have my, my, my mind, my head in the game. I didn't have my head kind of focused for, for the task that I had at hand. So the, the rework piece is, is, is the most important, but in order to be able to rework anything, you've got to do that inner work. You've got to do that outer work. For sure. Awesome. And then can, we've talked about how people can be successful in their fitness goals. And we also talked about what stops people a little bit stops people being successful the the voice of resistance mm. in your experience what is the kind of the number one reason that people fail in their fitness goals 
or their health goals or whatever? Uh, yeah, I think a lack of clarity on exactly why it is that they want to do what they want to do. Yeah. And then I think not giving themselves enough of a grace period to get going. So with the first one, um, the lack of clarity is, you know, wanting to lose weight or wanting to get fit is just too loose a, a goal to have it's vague it's you know but when you you know a process that I really like is the five wise process which was um, originally used by Toyota and it was a way for them to kind of find find problems I guess or 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 how to rework issues and how to find the you know what was really going on behind us you know the end or the outcome of something so with the five wise approach it's 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 you know you know you've got your reasoning of you want to lose weight well why do you want to lose weight well I'm so fed up of you know trying to do so for the last however many years and you you go back and back and back and you go why 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 and eventually it might be well somebody wants to lose weight because actually um, they want to be able to run around the park and play football with their kids and then that's 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 a, a way more that's that's an emotional pull that's got that's got something behind it so that when you when you don't feel like going to the gym or you don't feel like finishing off whatever it is you know for your workout or whatever that you remember the real why why you want to achieve that goal and it has to be something that you want it it can't be you know what somebody else has suggested for you like you know we know so many people who have you know their partners or their whoever who are like sweetie you know like don't you think you should lose a few whatever and like that somebody else wants you to do that you have to do that for yourself you know so that's that's the first piece and then the second is you know everyone's super motivated when they when they day one and it's well day one may not work out so well like so so to give yourself a level like a grace period of and and that's where you get to do that review you know you, you might be ready to go you know go for your run I don't know tomorrow at whatever time and so you get up you've got your alarm set everything's good to go and one of you can't find one of your trainers and yeah. so you you kind of you know uh, fail in inverted commas at the first hurdle uh, yeah. and then you do the review piece well what what do I do differently there actually I make sure that I have all my stuff set up the night before so I think I like I always give myself that 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 grace period that transition period because I know when I'm starting anything new particularly in terms of a training regime that it's going to take me a little while one two three weeks to get into it and to to feel you know in flow with it so for example I started like I'd written myself a new program that I started two weeks ago and then last week was for want of a better word between you know homeschooling lots of other stuff going on then that you know I launched the book last week that was a bit of like course. oh my god <laughs> you know and so I did you know I didn't get to do all the training that I would have done but I'm kind of like okay that's cool that was last week this week is a, is a fresh week I'm now three weeks in I've had a bit of a, a bumpy road in the second week but that's okay so it's if I had this expectation if, if if last week I was really annoyed that the week hadn't gone well that would sometimes be enough to go oh god you know okay well that's not working for me no it's yeah. just that I had to take into account that transition period yeah that's that's great advice okay so I, I think I've got you for like another five minutes so I'm gonna or even less I'm gonna zoom through the I guess the the rapid fire and only three questions oh what is something you know relative importance that you've changed your mind on recently what have I changed my mind on this idea that and it was something I was listening to the other day so I always think about that there are negative consequences of 
success. So, you know, you worry that, you know, when you achieve something that it's going to affect somebody else or, you know, somebody will do a negative thing or whatever. I've recently changed my mind and thinking of when you succeed in something, this is so not quick fire because here I am, (laughs) when you if you are worried about succeeding in something because it's going to affect other people, that is unfair on them for you to think that way. You succeeding invariably helps other people. And so not to let that whole negative consequences thing get to you, like your win should be a win for other people also. No, 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 that's that's great. It doesn't have to be like super, super quick. All right, these podcasts always have a like, you know, can you recommend a book? Can you recommend this? Can you recommend that? I'm not interested in that i'm interested in an anti-recommendation what tv show book film whatever should people avoid because it is a massive waste of their time oh lord oh my goodness i don't even know do you know what film i thought was a waste of time and i can't remember the name of it where they're in space for ages and is it sandra bullock Yes. And like someone else, I can't remember what it's called. And I was like, I'm never going to get those two hours back. And other people were like, that just changed my entire life. And I'm like, but what happened? Nothing. So that. I think it's Gravity, right? It's with George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. Personally disagree with you, but but fine. Everybody's, everybody's entitled to their incorrect opinions. It has been awesome talking to you today about, you know, the things that kind of motivated you and your determination. Who else would you like to hear on a podcast like this? Oh, gosh. Good question. Who would I like to hear? I would really like to hear her only because I met her through writing this book. The the girl who came up with the concept of the whole how-to series from Murky Books, who is Lamar, the commissioning editor. She came up with the idea and I thought, wow, what a thing she has created. Because mine is just one of six books that are currently out, which will over time be one of 12. So I, I and she helped me so much uh, through the panic moment. So <laughs> I would love to get inside her brain. Okay, awesome. Hopefully, I now I've got a contact at Murky Books. It should it should be easy if she'd ever like to come easy. on. Uh, yeah, if she ever yeah, like to come. and she's amazing. So I would okay. I would hope that she would. Awesome. So Jocelyn Tops rule: the book is how to move it. It's a really good simple. You know, it's it's a little book, but it's it was great. And and if you're thinking in the new year during the pandemic or whatever of getting fit, it's probably never been more important. I highly recommend it. It was really interesting to read. Thank you so much for for coming Aww. on to. Thank you so much for having me.